Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Pod in the Red Sox, bloggingtheredsox.com podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Campbell. It's been a little while. Uh, and today, I'm happy to be joined by uh, the first recurring guest in Pod in the Red Sox history, MassLive.com's uh, Chris Catillo. Chris, uh, welcome back. Happy trade deadline day, Eve. Yeah, same to you. So what an honor to be the first recurring guest. If it was anybody else, that would have been mad. So it's uh, that's good news. So since uh, it is trade deadline day, Eve, what's the latest on the Red Sox front? Yeah, it's a loaded question. Uh, I think we've seen you know, a couple of their targets have come off the board. A couple of relievers I thought would have fit them um, here and there. Obviously, there were some rumors about Starling Marte. Uh, he went to the athletics yesterday. So few guys that they've you know at least talked about or thought about have come off the board um you know Joey Gallo I didn't think was a perfect fit he went to the Yankees um the Red Sox are now in a position where their two chief rivals in the AL East have made arguably the two biggest moves of the deadline the Rays getting Nelson Cruz uh the Yankees are I don't know if it's official yet or if, if it's just you know, agreed upon but getting uh Joey Gallo last night or early this morning so um, you know that's it, pre, in previous regimes that might cause the Red Sox to maybe be a little bit more aggressive and try to up some offers here and there. It's not the way Bloom operates, so I don't think that's going to uh, veer him off his mission to be as patient as possible. So um, I've been saying all along, I don't think this is going to be, you know, the, the biggest trade deadline in Red Sox history. I think they could make a few moves. I think they could make some creative moves, but I've never thought, you know, they're going to go out and make multiple blockbusters. I just don't see that with the way Bloom operates and the way the roster is constructed. So, you know, as we record this, I know we have 29 hours until the deadline. Uh, I would predict that they're going to make moves, one or two, maybe three, but nothing uh, that'll be absolutely insane. I think, you know, the biggest name you would see would be Anthony Rizzo. I don't see Scherzer um, coming. Uh, I, I don't know about Kimbrough. I mean, I guess that's possible, but um, we'll see. There's, there's still a lot of time left and a lot of deals to be made. So when the Athletics' Jim Bowden reported yesterday that uh, Red Sox ownership was pushing Bloom to trade for Max Scherzer, do you take that sort of report with a grain of salt? Um, I think that, you know, Bloom is not the type that is going to, you know, feel easily pushed if that is true. You know, I think he's the type of guy that is going to make his own decision. If there's a prospect price that he doesn't want to pay for Max Scherzer, he's not going to pay it. You know, I think there's obviously a lot of factors there. Um, you know, for me, the Scherzer thing it comes down to, you know, first of all, he's pitching like in an hour and game one of a doubleheader, which is very weird. Um, all things considered, you don't ever see that. Um, and then also, you know, he, he has some say over where he wants to go because he has a full no trade clause. And apparently he wants to go to one of the NL West contenders, which, um, you know, is interesting. Who knows if, if that's just, you know, smoke screen or whatever, but, um, you know, so far indications are pointing that he'll go elsewhere. You know, the Red Sox are one of a ton of teams in on him, uh, according to some reports, but, um, you know, I'm sure, you know, we, we always have to remember as we learned in the off season and are interested could mean like one phone call or, um, you know, one text, not, not necessarily, uh, you know, a deal being close. So I think, you know, until we hear stuff heating up, uh, take everything with a grain of salt. I mean, it's the best way to put it this time of year. But, um, you know, obviously, if you're Red Sox ownership or you're Bloom or you're anybody else with the organization, the idea of a sale shares or one-two punch in the rotation for the end of the year is obviously dazzling. So, who knows? Do you think if Dave Dombrowski was still here, those rumors would have a little more um, legitimacy given his tendency to bring in former Detroit Tigers from his time with Boston? 
I think that's a good point. I think he's he's the type of guy that like making the splash. He was in it to win it every year. Not that Heimblum's not, but uh, David Dombrowski is willing to say, "Screw 2023. We have a good team now. Let's do this." And Heimblum's not at all. So, you know, he, he wants to to make moves that fit both the short and long term goals. It's a cliche. It's something he says every single time, but it's the truth of it. So, um, you know, but but at the same time, you see a team that you know has the best record in the AL, or and it's you know clearly in first place and all that stuff. Does the temptation creep in where, hey, you know? This is this is our chance. Boston needs this. Boston wants this. Let's do it. I don't know about about that with Han. So um, I think he's done a really good job of straddling the line, uh, kind of both ways so far. It didn't look like that over the winter, uh, but he made some some pretty good additions, counting on some bounce backs from some guys, and here they are in first place. So um, I think you know Red Sox fans need to trust him until he screws it up. Uh, besides Scherzer, I mean, I have some names listed here for starting pitchers who they. Uh, who could be on the trade block. I'm not really sure about the years of control. Like, I know Jose Barrios, but as, mm-hmm. as far as, like, Kyle Gibson, John Gray, guys like that, would you see them targeting guys with multiple years of control or rentals such as Scherzer? Yeah, I just – I don't see the the starting pitching depth thing to be a need where they're going to be super aggressive. You know, I think you look at, you know, the main starting five, and obviously Garrett Richards has been a disaster recently, and Martin Perez is what he is, and we get that. Um, but you have, you know, Tanner Houck, who has never had a bad outing in the big leagues, and then you have Chris Sale coming back. So now you're seven deep. So even if you go, you know, you have a rotation of now, you know, Sale, Rodriguez, Evaldi, uh, Pavetta, and Houck, and you have Perez and Richards and Connor Seabold as your depth starters, you know, to me – I might take that over, you know, giving up a few prospects for one of these other guys. Um, you know, I, I just think that there's a lot of, you know, question marks and, and kind of sometimes, you know, the devil, you know, maybe a guy like Garrett Richards is better than the devil. You don't know and bring in one of these guys who might've had a fluky good year so far and home road splits. I think if you look at Kyle Gibson or some of the others, a little bit wonky. Um, so yeah, to me, that's not a big priority. Um, if you get bullpen help, Maybe that allows you to, you know, maybe they envision a, a high leverage bullpen role for Garrett Whitlock or Tanner Houck. They add a couple of relievers and all of a sudden those guys are maybe not traditional starters, but they give you four innings or they pitch the middle of playoff games, those types of things. Um, you know, there's a, a lot of different ways they could do this, especially because of Houck and Whitlock and how dominant they've been and how they've shown they could be in different roles. So, uh, yeah, to me, the starters are not the main priority for me. I think first base is number one priority, and then I think really pitching second um, and maybe starters third. So, um, but there are you know a lot of names you, you saw like you know a guy like Tyler Anderson who I you know don't didn't even know what team he was on as of when yesterday began, um, and then he was traded to like three different teams as the night went on. But I think he's with the Mariners now. Like a guy like that didn't cost too much, but um, you know still it, it might not be worth it considering the depth that you already have in house. Um, you mentioned high leverage relievers. Uh, maybe you can help me understand why so many people are pushing for Craig Kimbrell when you already have an all-star closer in the former Matt Barnes in the bullpen. Yeah, that would be a good problem to have, uh, an embarrassment of riches there. But, you know, at the same time, you could look at it the other way. And if you're going to go after a starter, that pushes, you know, how to be a high leverage reliever. You have all of a sudden how Ottavino, Josh Taylor, Marwinson kind of, uh, Sawamura kind of, and Barnes in that mix, and they have a really strong back end of the bullpen. Um, you know, I think Kimbrell's going to cost a lot. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of kind of 
creative stuff with his contract. If he finishes like 20 more games this year, then you have to pay him 13 million for next year. I don't know if the Red Sox want to lock into that. Uh, so would they make him the setup man? Would he be pissed off about that after being dominant, being a role reversal with Barnes because he was the closer before? A lot of factors there uh, and, and a lot of things to think about. Um, you know, to me, he's obviously the best reliever on the market. Yeah, I could see the Red Sox maybe paying up for that. But you can get, you know, the old saying of relievers are a dime a dozen is really true. You know, you can get a, go get a guy, you know, for, for very little probably. Uh, go get a rent alarm for very, very little. Um, and, and just add him to the bullpen. You know, I just saw that Nationals put Daniel Hudson on the injured list, but he's the type of guy you go after, and he's just a veteran who knows how to pitch. Like, just put him in there, and, and it's, it's kind of simple. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of options like that. There's going to be about 1,000 that fly off the fly off the board in the next 24, 28 hours, whatever it is. So um, I would expect them to add one or two of those guys. I'm not sure if it's going to be on the high end. So someone like Richard Rodriguez or Ian Kennedy, someone like that? Uh, Rodriguez, I don't know if he, I don't think he's a rental, right? I, I, let me see. Ian Kennedy's a good name. I mean, cause he's a rental and he's not going to cost you a lot. Yeah. Richard Rodriguez, you have, you'd have through 2023. So he's going to cost you some more. Um, you know, like that's, that's one of those things where this guy would just go with the rental, you know, you pay, you know, look at like the Addison Reed deal, um, from a few years ago. I know, I know a couple of those guys made the majors, but none of them really stuck like those types of that they traded those types of guys. Um, or uh, Brad Ziegler from a few years ago. Like, have those guys come in and pitch well for two months and then, you know, try to push. If you don't, you don't. Speaking of former Cubs or current Cubs, we got Anthony Rizzo on the trade market as well, it seems. Uh, would you imagine uh, the Cubs packaging their stars in a single deal or, like, trying to spread them out between Bryant, Rizzo, and Kimbrell? Great question. I think they're probably considering all those things. Um you know, I, I would doubt that all three of them would go on the same deal, but I could see two of them. Um, you know, I don't think Bryant really fits the Red Sox um, unless, you know, Devers quad is a billion times worse than Alex Gore made it seem last night. But, um, you know, Rizzo and Kimberg could probably be packaged uh, a couple of, you know, they're all rentals, obviously. Um, and I'm sure teams are looking through different iterations of those deals. But, um, but I just keep coming back. So I don't think, I, I think that the Red Sox are not going to make the, the best grandfather offers for any of these players. They're going to wait to let the market come to them. And that's why I think if they make deals, it'll be later on Friday. But of course I'm going to say that. And by the time we're done recording, I'm going to get a notification that something happened. So that'll, I'm sure that'll backfire. Um, is your stance on position players the same as relief pitchers, like rentals or like a result would be a rental, but or could you see them going after guys with the years of control? Like Jesus Aguilar, for example, is under control through 2023, I believe. Yeah, he's, he's a great fit. You know, I think that that's a guy that, uh, to me, has always stood out from the beginning. Um, there's people in the organization that I know for a fact definitely like him. I thought of him as a better fit than Marte. He locks you in as a bridge to Casas. It's a little bit of a giving up on Dahlbeck type thing. But at this point, I mean, it's not like he deserves a ton of faith moving forward. You know, you're not fully giving up on him. He's obviously still going to be in the organization or whatever. Um, maybe package him as a trade chip. You know, Chris Smith and I, not to plug my own podcast on yours, but um, my last episode, we were talking about, you know, the different possible, you know, trade chips uh, and the Red Sox have. I'm like, would you trade Dahlbeck for Aguilar or Carlos Santana or one of those deals? It's an interesting thought, you know, how much value does Dahlbeck have? Obviously, he has a ton of control. We saw what he did last year. We got some big league time, which people like, you know, the guys with big league time, there's a lot more information on those guys than the guys in the minors. So they're, that's catching up obviously now. But uh, to me, you know, I, I really, 
first base, I, I think that's the one spot where, you know, you don't want a guy with, you know, seven years of control because you still have Costas going back unless you're coming up at some point, unless you intend to trade him in a blockbuster. So um, kind of entrenched in every other position, you know, like you have a ton of different second base options now, obviously, um, I think they really like Arroyo and he stays healthy. I feel like he'll get a really good chance there. Shortstop and third catcher all set. The outfield's kind of crowded, you know, if, if, if you're you know, thinking that Durant's going to stay up and um, Cesar Hernandez from Cleveland to the White Sox. So he's not coming to the Red Sox. Not that that was ever, not that, that was ever a rumor, but the deal just went down. Um, you know, so there's just not a lot of spots where you feel like you want to make, you know, long-term upgrades right now. Um, and that's a great place to be in for the organization. I uh, mentioned, first baseman with like seven years control. I was going to ask you about Eric Hosmer. He seems to be yeah. on the trade block, but that you don't see that happening. Um, you know, I know the Dombrowski regime liked Hosmer and obviously, you know, that's not, there's a lot of people that are in the same boat. He's a different player now than he was when he signed that big deal with San Diego, obviously. Um, you're going to have to eat a lot of money in that deal, which, you know, I don't know, Red Sox want to hamstring themselves financially now. Um, but you could also probably get one of San Diego's top prospects back. That's the kind of deal that, you know, it's kind of like a, a more, a bigger version of that Ottavino trade that Heim did make uh, in the winter. You know, you get a short term, well, you get a guy who's going to make your major league team and not short term, just being be on the team for a few more years, but you're going to have to pay him. And then you get a high end prospect, you know, for the minor leagues as well. You know, we've seen him do that before. You know, they talked about doing that last, last year at the deadline with Evaldi for, uh, Rugi Odor, I think, uh, you know, who's, who now hits clutch homers against the Red Sox. So, um, you know, I think they talked about those types of things. I'm, I'm sure they're exploring all those options. If you can get, you know, one of San Diego's top prospects and you fill your first base need, you know, that's, that's not the worst option to me, but the finances there are going to be pretty tricky. And that's the type of deal that, you know, I've been preaching the whole time. I think the Red Sox are going to wait till three o'clock on deadline day to start make to start striking that type of deal a lot to work out and the Scherzer deal with the no trade and all that stuff that's the type of stuff that uh you got to get done today you know you can't wait to the last minute for those is that sort of creative deal though with like Hosmer like we saw it with Will Myers um either last off season or two off seasons ago where like you're trying to buy a prospect essentially so yeah. is that kind of a creative deal something you reserve more for the winter where you have more time because in season probably a little rushed hectic whatnot yeah yeah no i i think you know usually but we, we've seen it happen at, at the deadline before um you know and like i said it fills your need for the rest of the year and fills your need moving forward with hosmer at first um you know bizarrely hosmer is a huge mentor to casas uh from uh, they they train together work out together i remember when they drafted casas it's like my first week on the beat and I got in touch with Cosmer and called him and had him talk about, you know, raving about this high school kid. So um, it'd be funny if he was the guy that would, you know, be, be the one who is the bridge to uh, his protege in, in Boston. But, you know, there's still a lot of time left on that deal. So eight years, when we're looking at it now, for eight years, 144 takes you through 2025. So, you know, for the rest of this year, you're still paying um, probably uh, about 7 million and then 20, 21 next year and 13, 13 and 13 and 23, 24 and 25. It's a lot of money to swallow. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see if the type of prospect you could get, if you're willing to swallow all of that. And, uh, for a guy who has, you know, declined in a lot of ways, I don't know if it's worth it. 
Robert Hassel. I know he was linked to the Red Sox in the draft last year. I mean, I, I saw his name thrown around as someone the Padres would attach to Hosmer to get out from under that contract, or at least part of it. Yeah, the Padres are at a point now where they're obviously going to go for it, and they, the prospects matter a lot less than they used to to them. So, um, you know, des- desperate times, I guess. And just going back to Dahlbeck, have his struggles reached a point where it's more so about just upgrading at first base in general as opposed to a left-handed hitting first baseman? Like that was like the idea with Rizzo and Hosmer and whatnot. Yeah, I think, you know, they're, they're going to probably consider everything there, you know, whether they – whether it's a full-time guy, whether it's just a, you know, platoon guy, um, you know, he, his performance against lefties has kind of declined too. So we're seeing kind of, you know, everything going down yesterday uh, as, as a lot of people tweeted and a lot of people wrote, um, you know, it was his first walk since June 23rd. So he's just clearly not, you know, controlling the strike zone the way the Red Sox want to falling into a lot of traps that people were afraid of. Um, you know, the league figured him out after last year, and now he's going to adjust back. And um, he's a very, very smart guy. He's a very talented guy. Um, and But, you know, at a certain point, the leash gets short. Um, and so when your OPS has dropped 300 points from, you know, a small sample size last year, it's, it's kind of concerning over the course of 100 games here. So, um, yeah, I'm sure they're considering all, all sorts of things, considering different ways, um, you know, to, to, like I said, maybe even trading him. So, um, there's a lot, of, a lot of options on the table for first base for sure. Besides Dahlbeck, what could these? Oh, you can say something. Yeah, I was going to say, and I, for the Red Sox sake, those options can no longer include Marwin Gonzalez or Danny Santana because that's just that's just a black hole in your lineup. You know, um, it's just uh, they they can't do that anymore. Oh, that's was, that was my next question. I was going to ask, like, besides Dahlbeck, how will these next twenty plus hours impact the f- futures of like Santana, Gonzalez, Chavis? And then, like, on the other side, Andreessy and Workman. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, Salomar is coming off the IL tomorrow. I guess that that's either Rios getting optioned or Workman getting DFA'd. We'll see what that is. I don't think a lot of people care on that one. And then, um, you know, when Andres comes back, he'll uh, probably get, you know, another chance to, to, to be in that long relief role, though they're clearly taking their time with him um, on this on the injured list. Um and they still need a spot for Brazier, who they expect, you know, is going to be a high leverage reliever too. People completely forget about him, despite the fact that, you know, we ask about him every day. You know, on Santana and Marwin, those are and Chavis, those are the types of guys that are going to probably be squeezed out of the picture if they if they add, you know, somebody big. Chavis obviously has options. Uh, Santana, you know, it feels like an easy upgrade there. Marwin's on a one-year deal, so you're not too worried about what happens with him. He'll be a bench guy to come in and play good defense for you, I guess. So. Um, you know, I've always said if there's a flaw in this Red Sox team, it's that guy, those two guys and Marwin and Danny Santana, nothing against them. They've had good careers and all that, but they're playing way too much for the types of players that they are now. You know, Marwin was basically starting every day early in the season. Once Danny Santana was active, you know, there's a stretch there. He started like 20 days in a row, despite having like one hit in a month. And, uh, you know, I get it. Versatility is, is great. They like being able to mix and match. It fits the roster, but uh, you know, now with Duran up, if you want to commit to him and, you know, we saw obviously last night what he can bring and, and you know, a period of 10 seconds running around the bases there. Um, the guys like that can't, can't play as much as they have been. Well, what do you think, what have you seen from Workman that like uh, has been so off compared to his 2019 form? Like I think earlier this season, he was kind of lucky. He had a low ERA, but now it just seems like he's getting hit hard a ton. 
Yeah, he had like a one, two, four ERA and a six or seven FIP. Now his FIP's up to five fifty. His whip is like one seven. It's just, you know, he's he's the type of guy that, you know, when he when he was dominant in 2019, he was walking a ton of people. Let me look at it. 45 walks in 71 innings. I mean, that's still kind of high. And this year he's getting hit hard and the stuff's not as good. And he has uh, 14 walks in 18 innings. He just can't afford to do that. So um, I don't know. It's it's a tough, you know, I, I say a lot, you know, if Brandon Orkin was a free agent one year earlier, things would be much different for him because, um, yeah, he would have been able to cash in on 19. And instead he, you know, had to hit free agency last year and his deal was like a million, a million and a half from the Cubs. And now he's bounced around. So, um, you know, kind of a quick, sad downturn there, but uh, not the guy he was two years ago. And uh, you see it, you know, he pitches, you know, in the high leverage roles for in all of 19 and it's the closer. And then uh, the first half of last year, which the first half was like 10, 10 appearances. And uh, then this year, you know, he's, he's the mop up guy, the last guy in the bullpen. So uh, a very quick, um, quick downturn there. Uh, do you think that trade will still go down as a win in the Red Sox book, even though Pavetta has been kind of like trending in the wrong direction lately? And um, I mean, Seabull just made his first start for the Blue Sox last week, I believe. Yeah, I mean, there's there's not, you know, um, there's not many, um, you know, it's not like you, you gave up anything that you were going to need ever again. Mm-hmm. You know, I think even Heath Henry's having a good year, but that doesn't really matter. Um, and so, you know, to me, it's just, you know, you got you take two lottery tickets on two starters you have control of for a long time. It was a desperation move by Matt Clentak because he knew he was in danger of losing his job and the deal backfired and he lost his job. So, um, you know, it's one of those things where it, it, it you know, self-fulfilling prophecy almost there. Um, but, you know, it's going to be tough for them to lose that deal. Turning to a little more like future perspective now, um, I know I think your colleague Chris Smith wrote something about it, this, but like well, I didn't, whatever it was, I didn't read it then. Uh, yeah. uh, Red Sox prospects who could be on the move, like either guys who are currently on the 40 man will be eligible for the rule five oh. this winter, or just like lottery ticket guys who are in like the Dominican or the Florida yeah. complex league. You know, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of guys that are going to be right up against the 40 man crunch in uh, December. And to alleviate that, the Red Sox, you know, might, might make some moves now, you know, what's interesting is a year ago, the Padres that were in the same boat, they didn't, they were either going to protect Rosario and Potts or trade them and they had to trade them. So, um, you know, the Red Sox might, you know, have to move some of those guys. And those are the kind of guys, you know, you trade two of those guys for, you know, a, a just because it's an a, and bring up every year it's not going to happen now that he's injured but daniel hudson or one of those types of relievers you know that makes a lot of sense you know you don't have to pick from the the top the high end of the prospect list for sure was it last week when pedro castellanos marcus wilson and i believe someone else was correct was that really yeah, just a Cam, coincidence Cam, Cam yeah they've been playing since so it was uh that was surprising because i was yeah i was out at dinner with my roommate and uh said i might i might have to go home and deal with this but luckily uh, luckily nothing happened. So yeah, just a coincidence on that front, but those were, it was funny. Those are like three of the exact level of names you'd expect that a deal the Red Sox would make. So, um, yeah, l- luckily for me at that moment, it was, uh, nothing. And just looking around the league now, uh, your thoughts on the Rays acquiring Nelson Cruz and the Yankees trading for Joey Gallo. Yep. You know, two aggressive moves. I think, you know, the Rays, we knew they were going to be in it. They were going to be buyers the whole time. 
the Yankees, you know, people thought, okay, maybe they'll sell. Could Judge get traded? All that type of stuff. It's a clear signal that they're not going to um, and that they'll be in it. You know, uh, I, I'm not, you know, I think those are, like I said earlier, the two biggest, uh, them and, and Marte and, and maybe, you know, Bryant are the biggest names available on the offensive side of the ball. So, you know, you're seeing the rest of the American League contenders, you know, making moves. Um, we've seen this, um, you know, time and time again. So, um, yeah. And your thoughts on the Mariners trading their best reliever within the division to the Astros? I think, you know, obviously, you know, a, a bold move. And I think that the Mariners, uh, the Mariners players did not take too kindly to that, to, to say the least. Jerry DePoto uh, seemed like, you know, he was not, not, too, not uh, too much of a fan favorite amongst players in that clubhouse the other day. So uh, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out for sure. Here's any sense that the Red Sox would like to avoid the Astros in the uh, first round of the playoffs if that comes down to it? I don't know. There's, there's probably an Alex Cora uh, wanting to, you know, wanting some revenge narrative there that they'd like to play into. So, you know, it'll be, I mean, there's going to be no bad teams. You know, you get the Astros, you get the White Sox, you're going to have, you know, probably the Rays there. There's no, you know, easy outs, especially in a best of five. So, uh, you know, to me, it's, it's not like, you know, I don't like playing that game because they're all dangerous. There's a lot of good teams. You know, to me, you don't want to face, you know, elite starting pitching. If you want to get into the DS, you want to play a team that can't set up their starters, which usually means they're the team that won the wild card game. So to me, that that's what you want. Obviously, the Red Sox need to get, uh, you know, the number one overall seed at that point. Turning to the amateur side of things now, I believe the deadline to sign draft picks is um, Saturday. Yeah. Uh, most of the Red Sox picks have been signed, but do you have any potential updates on guys like Judd Fabian, Nathan Hickey, Nico Cavadis? No, nothing right now. You know, I think that there's probably some, um, there's probably some, you know, negotiation tactics going on with all those guys. I know Peter Gammon tweeted out that they weren't going to sign Fabian the other day until the deadline. You know, I, I don't really, I, I don't think you can, you know, know that for sure maybe he has already said like okay i'm not signing they're not meeting my price um but things can change pretty quickly um and so you know it's just um i, I think that they're going to keep trying keep trying to get creative and, and we'll see what happens um i think it's august 1st so um, maybe saturday at midnight maybe sunday at midnight it's bad timing that it has to be this weekend with the deadline but that's why they have an amateur department uh is it true that cabinets can sign later since he's a college senior or i mean i think i read that somewhere is it? I don't know. Uh, he's an 11th rounder, so I didn't even have him on my tracker, but I heard he has big power, so they, they should be happy about him. And if Fabian doesn't sign, that means they get an additional second-round pick next year, essentially? Yeah, I think they get the 42nd back again, but I still think it's a bad look for the team to you know have all day to set up your draft board, commit to this guy, and draft him, and then you know not uh, be able to actually get uh, anything done. So, I don't know. To me, that's that's just, you know, you want to sign your draft picks when you pick them. You know, it doesn't look as bad as like the Kumar Rocker situation with the Mets, but still not great. Yeah. But I mean, do you think they'd go past the 5% threshold to sign them or like that? No. Yeah. That means forfeiting it, a pick. Right. No, I'm just not doing that. All right. Uh, finally, any final predictions for the next 24 hours? Uh, chaos probably across the league. If you're the Red Sox, though, they're probably going to still be in wait and see mode and see if they can cut a good deal and kind of do what they always do under 
uh, under Heim. Just wait, be patient, see what kind of deal you can get done. And, and I'm sure that they will, uh, they'll be pretty active, um, you know, and at least in talks and we'll see if it turns into action. I'd be shocked if they didn't make a deal. Uh, I've always said temper expectations because, you know, some of those guys to me are, would cost too much, but um, you know, it should be interesting and, and we'll see, you know, if, if that temptation does creep in to go all in, if it does, you know, I think Red Sox fans would be pretty happy, but if not, like I said, what he's done so far has been great and you get to trust him. And just to clarify, this is the last trade deadline, right? There's none at the end of August. Yeah, nothing. So nothing, no confusing waiver deadline that nobody understands why it's there or what it is. So that's always good that it's cut and dried. You, you make the deals now or, or that's it. So um, you know, the clock's ticking. All right. This next, your answer to this next question probably depends on what the Red Sox do in the next few hours. But uh, any final predictions for the final two-plus months of the MLB season? Yeah, you know, I, I think at this point it's gonna be it's gonna be a race with the Rays. You know, obviously the Yankees have helped the Red Sox out over the last couple of days, um, but you know you have a lot of games with the Rays left. Two more trips to the Trop. I think the Rays come up here one more time. Um, you know, two and a half game lead now, but uh, that can change. There's a lot of time left, and I think that team is is really good. You know, I think we shouldn't count the Yankees out yet. You know, we've seen them playing a little better of late. You know, sometimes a guy like Gallo, a move like that can give your team a boost. So. Uh, and obviously you have another trip to the Bronx. The Yankees come up here one more time. So um, there's a lot of games to be played, a lot of divisional games to be played, a lot of games against tough teams. Red Sox going to Chicago. They're going to Seattle. Um, you know, they're playing, uh, you know, some of the best teams in baseball for the rest of the year. So um, it's going to be a fun, fun, Alex course, it'll be a fun summer in Boston. It's going to be a fun August and September too. You excited for Sunday night baseball at the Trop? Nope. I will be not there chris smith will be there dealing with that and i'll be uh, enjoying my weekend off after the trade deadline so i guess i am excited for it yeah uh, i don't uh, like the trop so i agree well, i disagree it's, fine. it's 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 fine except it's not anywhere near marriott which is bad news for the beat yeah bad traffic situation there all right uh chris cotillo thank you very much for your time today you can follow chris on twitter at chris cotillo and read his coverage on the red sox at masslive.com slash red sox chris thank you again anytime thanks bud